Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast, release date the 7th of August, 2022. Wait, it's behind me and coming up fast. You need to climb. Get above. Gay. Gay. SD1, get out of there now. Who the hell is this? What's your authority? Now, Straker, just get out. Damn it! Get a recovery team out there now! We've lost SD1. Cunic and Benji. I'm Benji Clifford, he's Nick Briggs, this is Big Finish. Audiobooks, audio drama, and this podcast all for the love of stories. Whoa, any moment now, Benji and I will be previewing an interview with David Richardson, our retiring senior producer, who'll be chatting with us next week on the podcast. Following that, the good review guide this week, we're talking about Missy and the Monk. Hey, I'm not dead. I'm just a brain in a jar, that's all. Then we're off behind the scenes with the diary of River Song 10. Two Rivers and a Firewall. The Two Rivers by Tim Foley. Hello, my name is Alex Kingston and I play River Song. Following that, it's once again time to open your ear inbox with listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com and we'll be reading out your tributes to David Warner and Bernard Cribbins. In our also available segment, we go behind the scenes with the next great chapter of the sixth Doctor Adventures, hearing from range producer Jack Rayner. I'm Jack Rayner and I was the producer of The Mindless Ones. Then the randomoids electatron will once again be giving you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. There is genuinely no way of us knowing what that release will be, but by borrowing William Hartnell's space-time visualizer... <laughs> yes, uh, we, we can bring you this clip. Terrible! We shall all be killed! And then, as you may have come to expect, it'll be time to give you a free 15-minute drama tease. This week, it's our action-packed, spine-chilling reimagining of Jerry Anderson's UFO and an episode entitled Destruct Positive by Andrew Lane. Ed, I'm under orders. Forget everything. That's what they told me. But you heard me. I saw something. Heard something. There's a recording. It's been confiscated. chilled my spine oh and next time um we'll be talking to david richardson next week i mean in the podcast have we said enough about him or is there anything to add i mean i think we talked about him the other week didn't we we certainly did but you know again what a guy great guy so good at his what job. a guy what a guy he's just this guy you know um <laughs> he's you know just so good at his job um and will be sorely missed but still hanging around which is nice we're still doing some jobs so it's all good um, but the time uh, this podcast is out, uh, although we needn't worry because David never listens to it anyway, <laughs> uh, he will have received a, a compilation of lovely video messages from so many of our contributors and stars and stuff. And uh, r- pathetically, I get uh, the most moved during it. I, can, <laughs> I just said, said it running and then the first thing I, I said to him, I just nearly burst into tears. So... It's been a very uh, emotional uh, journey. And the brilliant thing is it's the best kind of leaving because he's not really leaving. He's staying mm. on to produce all the great series that he's been producing for some time and no doubt will innovate others. Um, it's, you know, a very wise decision for David to step back but make sure that one of his uh, most valued and closest friends, that's me, folks, uh, is still in a position to give him work which, of course, <laughs> I will do, because why wouldn't you? Because he's so so brilliant at, at everything. Yeah. And I suppose we should, um, you know, everything... We're playing catch-up this week because uh, we, you know, devoted the podcast to David Warner and uh, Bernard Cribbins last week. And uh, so we're playing catch-up with the releases. So there's a lot packed into this podcast. Um I just want to say UFO, which we're giving you a, a drama tease of today, we'll be going behind the scenes with next time. Ooh, you haven't heard any of the UFO, have you? I have uh, heard absolutely nothing. The UFO. The 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 UFO. 
the UFO. Um, you, no, I'm you, not very excited. You've seen it's, the original, though, have you? Of course, I've seen the original. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's. I think with it's in that that the holy trinity of Jerry Anderson series, isn't it? Really, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, you just you have to see it. But um, like all of them, I think it's always exciting when when Big Finish takes these series and adds a little puts a little spin on it. It's always nice, yeah. a sort of flying saucer spin. <laughs> yes, if, <laughs> a flying saucer, if you will. Well, we'll be looking at that next week, but time right now for the good review guide, finding you the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend them for you. And as promised this week, we're looking at Missy and the Monk. Hey, I'm not dead. I'm just a brain in a jar, that's all. Well, that's not so much a jar. It's, it's more of a handbag. From Big Finish Productions, Missy, Series 3. What have you just stuck to my brain? Bulldog clips. Come on, vroom vroom. That other, that woman, she... At the, At the end, end of the day, day we, we all need a little, little regeneration. Because, because life's too short. Regeneration. regeneration. A Richard, Richard Temple product. Richard Morris Temple, born the 2nd of February, 1957, died... Well, that's up to you. You're threatening me! Mm, smidge. So, the Borgias, remind me? Oh, honestly, how bad is your history? Why are we on this planet? To stop this war? The Calvor will prevail against the Vat. We always do. Well, this is marvellous. He's coming. He? is a war seed. Uh, what do I call you? Hmm, the meddling nun? How can we be in the same place, huh? Aren't there laws against it? Why would that bother you? You're literally a time meddler. Paradoxes like this are what gets us up in the morning. Big finish. We love stories. And how did you get my brain out of my body? Telebiogenesis. Tele... Rude. Just go to bigfinish.com and type Missy into the search pane uh, to discover all our Missy madness. First up, indie Mac user .co.uk Jacob Licklider says, Missy and the Monk, whilst not doing all the staples and having the big issue of not having enough distinct music outside the light motifs, is still an utterly enjoyable farce of a box set, bringing together three brilliant comic performers and three writers at the top of their game. Bring on series four, nine out of ten. Thank you, Jake. I, did, I didn't uh, understand the first bit of that review. But anyway, that's because I'm stupid. Uh, we made this network.com. Lachlan Haycock says, Why does the Missy series have such an appeal? The character's irreverence is infectious and her apathy wholly engrossing. And the laughs come thick and fast. There are science fiction hijinks and also moments of pathos. But more than anything, these three stories are <laughs> hilarious. Uh, the three-part format, a change from the four-part form, four-part, pa 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 and is also the funniest Big Finish release this year. <laughs> that is my Big Finish that, is chortle. That the, is that the funny, the funny laugh? <laughs> oh, dear. Well, let's see what Kyle says over yes. at DoctorWhoReviews.net. Come on, it's Kyle. It's not a tone that the series should attempt to replicate too often, Ooh. but Gomez is the perfect conduit for it, <laughs> with Hound and Whelan's strong supporters and the intriguing tease of the two monks in the past and of Missy regaining her freedom is a strong endpoint for another strong series in the Missy saga. And that is four stars there, probably just, you know, tripped over a remote and stepped on a bit of lego or something it should be five stars i'd i'd love i think that michelle gomez would love to be called a perfect conduit <laughs> hello michelle you're a perfect conduit do you know that <laughs> uh sci-fipulse.net racer Devereux says missy series three missy and the monk is a black comedy romp indeed writers james goss johnny candon and james kettle oh johnny i suppose it's is no no john 
John and Jack. Yeah, I was thinking they were all called James, but there's two Jameses and one Johnny. Uh, lead into the psychopathy with glee or psychopathy. 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 We'll just get John Persby in to say that. Um, yeah, Michel, <laughs> Michel Gomez and Rufus Hound own every scene they're in. Ain't that the truth? Their sheer joy is worth the price alone. The supporting... We sell joy in audio form. Yeah. The supporting actors are all committed to straight men and women. And they hold their own as the humour permeates even the darkest lines of dialogue. So there we are. However, I must single out Gemma Whelan. Oh, come on, Gemma. I'm singling. Step, step don't, forward. Don't step hide there. amongst the others. Uh, she's essentially the third co-lead in the final instalment. Uh, the meddling nun is everything the meddling nun should be, thanks to her pitch-perfect performance. 9.5 out of 10. So close. What did we do wrong, Racer? Oh. What did we do wrong to lose We didn't point include five? a cheese board. If it had oh. a cheese board, it would have just done it, but obviously... And what about the light motif? <laughs> oh, well, what about the, the dart motif as well? Uh, yeah, well, indeed. We saw a hijinks earlier. What about the low jinks? Oh, really? There's no balance in this. <laughs> oh, dear, dear, dear. Well, we've got Dr. 909 here saying, uh, a great set of thrilling stories. Gomez and Hound's pairing is electric and really is... Oh, blimey. Uh, wear rubber shoes. It'll be all right then. Uh, the pairing is truly a joy to listen to. I'm very much all for where a fourth volume might be headed. Good. I can't wait to hear Messi on her own again. As much as I love this duo. Eight out of ten. Okay, well, that's yeah. it for the reviews this week. Next time, we'll be talking about the worlds of Blake Seven, the Clone Masters, at least, probably something else as well. Still to come on the podcast, though, listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com, and we'll be looking at the sixth. Doctor Pur- Purity Here's John Purity to say that yeah, 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 the thick doctor. Uh, Plus don't forget you'll be able to hear The first 15 minutes of our incredibly Exciting audio reimagining Of UFO Destruct Positive Exclamation mark But first let us delve behind the scenes With the diary of River Song 10 Two Rivers and a Firewall The Two Rivers by Tim Foley. Hello, my name is Alex Kingston and I play River Song. Since I was a child, I have dreamt of this moment. And we've actually discovered it. Let's not be hasty, Professor. But here lies her sarcophagus. I knew I was right. This is the tomb of River Song. This episode is about River finding a river from the future, from a parallel universe. And unfortunately, this river seeds a fungal spore that starts to invade River's world and reality. And so the two of them have to kind of join together in order to try and uh, stop this awful fungal monster. To know who you are and what you're doing here. She's not very sharp, is she, Topless? Who else is she expecting at the tomb of River Song? You think this is another trap? A trap, a ruse, a con, I don't know what it is, but I know she's not who she claims to be. When I first read the script, I thought I was going to have to read both rivers, which really got me a bit stressed. (laughs) So I was so thrilled to come into the studio and actually see that um, the other river uh, was not anything that I needed to worry about. And the gorgeous Mimi, who is standing across from me, she took on that role. And it's been so much fun. I've been absolutely great because we've been able to sort of really play off each other within the studio space. I'm Mimi Kaisa and I play Other River. Seriously? What? You're posing as an investor and your pseudonym is Anne Investor. I was caught off guard. Moments after meeting her and she springs my final resting place on me. You should have got one better. Hi, I'm Miss Nim, Miss Suda. Quiet! I don't recall hearing myself arguing in the corridor outside. Then let's move on. I love this script. It's really fun for me to um, sort of spark off a pre-existing, pre-loved character and just have my own little twist on it. And what was really fun was that when Alex came in this morning, she thought she'd be playing both rivers. (laughs) 
which helped me because she came in with no expectations of my performance. I kind of just went, I'm going to roll with this. Um, and it's just been great to be with other actors again, actually. I'm not going to lie. So it's been really nice. Hello, I'm Ken Bentley and I have just finished directing River Song, box set 10. Then maybe you're not River Song. We're not enthralled to anyone. That's not who we are, who I am. But the Doctor isn't anyone. Our lives are intertwined from the very beginning. Child of the TARDIS? It was his TARDIS. I was raised to kill him. And then you married him. <laughs> My, we didn't pick them. We knew we needed to cast the role and we knew we needed somebody great in the role and fun in the role and theatrical and um, I was chatting with David about it and we were sort of discussing some options and who we might quite like to try for and who was out there and who was doing what and um, I was watching The Witcher at the time because the, the latest series of The Witcher had come out on um, on Netflix and um, my partner is completely addicted so she was determined that we binge watch the entire series in one sitting which we did the entire second series and um, I was sort of watching, watching it and enjoying it and, um, and thinking about how good Mimi was in it. Stands out, playing a great role, but doing a really good job of playing a great role. And um, it was just one of those things, you know, I was sitting there watching TV and saw Mimi at the right time and we were casting and we reached out and she was available and it all happened fairly painlessly, which isn't always the case, but, um, um, but it was great that she was able to work with us. I normally play characters who are quite uptight and troubled. And so to let rip is like, oh, I'm going to need to call my agent and say that this is what I do from now on. I have no bond with this professor. Oh, yeah, you keep telling yourself that. I have to. Because you killed her. Yes. A life from beginning to end. And it's an end I caused. Not even intentionally. Such a... a petty death. She's not dead yet. I was able to join Big Finish before for, I think, two other... Two other... This is years ago now, we're going back. Um, the Big Dig and... I can't remember my first one. Quite a while ago. And then also, in the show Doctor Who, um, I've played an astronaut who survived to the end, which is rare. I'm Caroline Harker and I play Professor Dern and her mother, Angela. If I had the strength... I'd make a wry remark about the students here. Then find the strength, not for weak jokes, for your mission. My mission? If you're looking for the Tomb of River Song, you've got a lot of work ahead of you. I only said that to see the looks on people's faces. To mount an actual expedition would be challenging. Then rise to the challenge. You get a character description, and once you've read that in a way you can't get away from it. So I'd read crotchety, clever, but I can't remember the other two adjectives, but they were very, um, you know, it's sort of dictated. And actually, they, that really led me. And it's written in a certain way. My voice felt quite sort of low and strong and quite kind of, I could imagine her sort of archaeological leather boots planted in the sand. And um, that, that's how I went about it. And then with her mother, I, Angela, I, I did sort of think, they're different beings, but there's something, you know, she's just a lighter version of that and a quicker, lighter, less academic version of that. And um, that's how I went about it. I'm Tom Alexander and I play Mr Gari and the Carla Guard. <laughs> what is it? Well, nothing pleasant. We need to get your top off. What? I know, I know. Normally I wait until at least the second date. No, don't move. I'll have to... Oh. <laughs> I like that shirt. I'm sure you like your arm too. Stay still. It's at my shoulder now. If it reaches your head, we're in trouble. Hang on. <laughs> I came in with a different idea of Mr. Gary. And after we read the first scene, Ken sort of asked if we'd take it in a different direction, which was fine. You know, you kind of come in with a degree of flexibility about where you're going to take the performance. And um, I kind of, I, I didn't want to make him, he was a sort of an archaeological student. And I was like, oh, I'll try not to make him too kind of soft sort of thing, you know. But we did then sort of bring him into a bit more kind of panicky territory as he realised the gravity of the monstrous situation he was getting himself into. But it was great actually being in the studio watching. I wish in a way that people could see the actions and the drama that goes on physically 
you know, everyone each at their microphones working away. It's, it's very, it's, it's great fun to do and it feels really good when you do it. Yes, we'll just go to bigfinish.com. Yes. I'm just having a cup of tea. Oh, lo- I'm, uh, I'm, I'm and, jealous. Uh, I'm jealous. Uh, go to bigfinish.com, type River Song to catch up with all our great river releases. Yes, lovely, lovely. River Song, bigfinish.com. Uh, time now for <coughs> a cup of tea. No, listeners' emails. That's right, and you don't even need a cup of tea or a cup of coffee to no. send an email. Um, in fact, I would I would sort of strongly urge you don't, because if you spill it on the keyboard, oh, it could yeah. break the keyboard. You know, and it's, it's just, you don't need that. Um, although apparently, um, yes. plants like tea. My Do dad they? was telling me. What, with milk yeah, and sugar or just tea? Well, he gives it to them with milk and sugar. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, I think so they he, grow up sort of really I think he, fat. I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't say I'm going to make the the, the plants a cup of tea, but I think he takes like dregs of tea, yeah. saves it all up, and then gives it to the plants. And apparently, it's good for the plants. So there we go. I want to hear from the plants today. next week. Can you bring them along next time? <laughs> yeah, yes, I will. They're just making yes, noises like triffids, you know. <laughs> yes, you just hear that. Oh, yeah. that'll be me on the floor. Yeah. That's Ooh. what the plant thinks of your cup of tea. <laughs> it's not a fan. Not a fan. Yeah, it's like those, you know, um, those plants in Planet of the Daleks that squirt out the liquid. <laughs> they actually just squirt out <laughs> tea. I don't want it. <laughs> the doctor says, oh, hold on a sec. That's got milk and sugar. Lovely. It's holding <laughs> yeah, a cup there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've always found this uh, quite a hospitable place. Of course, um, it does look just like sort of muddy clay water, doesn't it? That stuff that squirts out. It looks kind of like Daleks. gunge as well, doesn't it? You know what I mean? Like like Dave Benson Phillips' gunge, that sort of murky, yeah. murky liquid. Where, and, and when uh, um, uh, Katie Manning gets all that sort of poo on her hand, <laughs> my son couldn't watch that for quite some time because he just felt it looked like poo. So when, when, it, when he finally met Katie Manning on a train going home from a convention, I said, this is the lady with the poo on her hands. And the pretty thing is that K- Katie immediately knew to what I was referring. It's incredible, wasn't it? She said, oh, yes, it wasn't really poo, you know. <laughs> And then he hid under the... I've told this story a million times. Then he hid under the table on the train because he was very, very shy. And uh, oh. he, was, uh, he was 27 at the time. No. Um, and uh, <laughs> and she got under the table with him. <laughs> you can imagine it, can't you? Good old Katie. Such a bundle of fun, isn't yes, she? Yes, yes. Great fun. Well, this next one's from Katie Matt. No, it's not. I wish, I wish, I wish <laughs> hey, it darling. was. Um, this is this one's title is David Warner and Bernard Cribbins. Uh-huh. Uh, hello, Nick and Benji. Thank you for taking the time to reflect on the contributions of David Warner and Bernard Cribbins in last week's podcast. If I may add my few cents worth. I've been listening back to some of their respective Big Finish work this week, though it was hard to choose just one David Warner performance <laughs> from across his long association with your company. Indeed. With apologies to his turns as the Unbound Doctor or in the fourth Doctor Adventures or Shilling and Sixpence, I went back to the amazing King Lear adaptation from a few years ago. Mm. He is magnificent in it, of course, cutting through the complexity of that world and the character and the language to be accessible and engaging. And to do that in a purely vocal performance is nothing short of stunning. But whatever the part, small or large, the presence of David Warner in any big finished production was always a compelling incentive to invest time and money in that release. Mr Cribbins, by contrast, doesn't have the great range of big finish work to his name, but let us not mistake quantity for quality. I just listened to James Goss's 10th Doctor Adventure, No Place, which was the only time Wilfred Mott features in a Big Finish story. I have a lot of love for the horror of glam rock, but the draw of hearing that family dynamic again was a bit of a clincher. Mm -hmm. He's great in it, and has a wonderful speech where he remembers waking up in the morning of a battle. Beautiful, rich writing, and delivered with the same depth of pathos that made Wilf such a beloved character in the first place. The selfish part of me wishes we'd had more adventures with him, but what a boon to have had at least that one. Thanks again, and veil to both these fine gentlemen. Kind regards, Chris Spensley. It's a lovely email, isn't it? 
Lovely. Well, there we are. That was nice. I, I, you know, we had to look up the veil thing because uh, I'd never heard of it, which proves how ignorant I am. Uh, next up, Nathan Smith says, David and Bernard. He doesn't say that. That's the subject. Uh, Hello, lads. He says, hi there. Hi there. I just wanted to write in, in the progress of listening to this week's tribute to the Lost Greats, to thank you both for such a genuine episode that, for me as a fan, hit exactly what I was thinking and feeling. Oh, thank you. Bernard Cribbins is someone who touched generations, and one of the few Doctor Who characters both me and my mum knew who we were talking about, and his acting was so genuine and real that as fans we felt connected and moved. Nick said that the deaths of both is profoundly moving, and I couldn't have put it better. When I heard the news, my first thought in actuality was, I hope Nick and Benji cover this, because I knew uh, you two would be able to voice it in a way that my mind just could not process. Thank you. I always said uh, to my mum that I have a bucket list of Doctor Who people I want to be able to shake the hand of, and sadly I must now cross off two legends. What more can be said aside from thank you to them for bringing such breathtaking characters to life? And to you both for a fantastic tribute. Thanks both, Nathan. Thank you, Nathan. That was really lovely lovely of you to write and say that. I always think as well with things like, you know, crossing off lists and things like that, although they're not with us, they've left such bodies of work, particularly in the case of those two gentlemen, so that you can go back and revisit them whenever you like. And I think that's just such a nice thing to be able to have. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. So we've got another one here from Matthew Ludwig. Um, subject to this one is my condolences uh, I've just heard the passing of David Warner and wish to send my condolences I recall the work he has done for you in shows like Unbound best wishes to all of you who have worked with him thanks Matt Ludwig thank you and a lot of people wrote in just to you know say condolences to us which is very lovely of people um, Merlin McCarley uh, his subject line is Dr Evil, Ripper, Sark, Schilling, Steel, Crow and Cratchit. Messrs Briggs and Clifford and the staff of Big Finish. How can anyone express feelings of loss over someone who was so present on the screen in my early life? David Warner made me root for evil in Time Bandits and hoot with laughter in The Man with Two Brains. Everything I have seen him do in between the extremes has always been a joy to behold or hear. From everything I heard, he was a true gentleman and even more rare, a humble man to boot. Not often will you find an actor remembered as a gentleman assassin, Hogfather and Briscoe County Junior, on both sides of the pond, but as Bob Cratchit to boot. As he worked in Star Trek and Doctor Who, his legacy will be reviewed and analysed long after we have moved on from this world. I believe his large body of work will stand up quite well and future actors could do far worse than to study the nuances of his performances. As an instantly recognisable voice and face, his presence will indeed be missed. I could go on for pages, but this is a podcast. Onward to Baffle Cab. Ah, I think that's the Scarifiers that he's in there, isn't he? Yeah. Sent from a smouldering hunk of evil in my <laughs> microwave. P.S. Uh, below, please find a link to a 2020 interview with David about his career. Quite wonderful. Now, um, I just identify this podcast thing. Uh, it's we can't read out the link because it's just so long. Um, but it's on post mortem with uh, Mick Garris, who interviews... Yeah, it's a podcast. A podcast. A a podcast. Uh, David Warner Live from Pensacon 2020. And it's one of those rare, rare times when David talks in detail about his... It's a 57-minute podcast, and he talks in detail about his entire career. It has to be said that sometimes he has to um, fight a loquacious interviewer for a time but eventually I think the message gets through that it's David Warner who needs to be speaking um, it's often, <laughs> often the fault of interviewers that they, they think that it's about them and not about the subject um, but I think it's the interviewer's um, enthusiasm that you know what I mean he wants to yeah, you take want part, to talk you want to get yeah. don't, don't interrupt um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it's it's really it's a really good interview. So if you want to hear a lot about David Warner's fantastic career, I should also mention because we haven't mentioned Stephen Noonan in this podcast. No, our, we should. Our first Doctor actor, uh, Stephen uh, worked uh, with David Warner in the Chichester 
production of King Lear. Wow. Uh, he was Edmund. And uh, so he, you know, spent a lot of time with David and, and for quite some time afterwards kept in touch with him. So like us, I mean, uh, Stephen and I spoke quite a bit about, uh, in fact, we hooked up specifically because of it, uh, about David Warner, because we were both, you know, um, you know, had been hit by it and it, it just yeah. helped us both to chat about it. And uh, Stephen had told me many, many brilliant brilliant stories about David and um, I can't relate any of them <laughs> because most of them are outrageous but but glorious and full of affection. Right that's it for the emails this week. Thanks uh, for all your brilliant emails more next time sent funnily enough just a reminder here folks to podcast at bigfinish.com As always, the randomoid selectatron is preparing itself in the background Come on. right this minute, getting ready to offer a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. Thank you, and that was a bit of script lifted directly from the previous podcast which you <laughs> featured. Uh, no originality here. Uh, but before that, it's time for Also Available, and this week it's the sixth Doctor, Purity Undreamed, and the Mindless Ones. Over to Jack Rayner. I'm Jack Rayner and I was the producer of The Mindless Ones. I take great joy in my, my brilliance. It's all very toxic, sir. This pride. This overthinking that you do about everything. Toxic? Now, perhaps, it's time that I showed you the source of all these noises that have intrigued you so. Oh, yes. Please do. I very much wanted Paul Mars on board. He was one of the first people I spoke to when I was allowed to start talking to people about being part of the Sick Doctor Adventures. He is just a writer to his core. His work is lyrical and imaginative and I just absolutely adore it. I'm Paul Mars and I'm the writer of The Mindless Ones. I got to create the university environment in which our villain and some of our heroes exist in. And because Jack knew of my university background and the time I spent as a lecturer and all those years, she knew I, I was the right person to write about all that stuff and to send that world up slightly and be satirical about the way universities carry on. And the satire in this is all about a kind of institute that has set itself up on the university campus that promises to make everyone into better people. I am undergoing the self-realisational improvement process created by Mr. Betterment. It's quite complex, Mel. Too much to explain just now. That sounds like more gibberish to me. I am working hard to permanise my potentiality, Mel. A project I'd worked on the year before had been trashed and ruined and, and fell down in flames. And Jack asked me to write a Doctor Who story for her. And it was the first one I'd done for ages. And it was really nice because she's always been really, really encouraging to me since about 1997 when she was involved in the books and I first started writing Doctor Who books. So for all those years, we've had lots of shared adventures and, um, and just great times, really. I've never met her <laughs> it's always been at the end of email but we chat and um i knew when she asked me to write a story um i was in safe hands i wanted to hear what you were up to this afternoon are you managing okay oh don't worry about me getting about i infiltrated a top secret institute this afternoon with no bother also i just run over people's feet when i have to <laughs> you're terrible no wonder he likes you when you're writing about a character like Hebe, I had loads of things to say, too many, and they didn't all go in, to say about being in a wheelchair, because my mum's been in a wheelchair since her mid-40s. So when I was in my 20s, uh, suddenly she was diagnosed with MS. So when she was diagnosed, I had that kind of crash course that people have in learning about how to negotiate the world in a wheelchair and realising that the world isn't organised at all for people in wheelchairs and it, it isn't now and it certainly wasn't in the 1990s. So I had all sorts of ideas and thoughts and um, memories of how all of that works 
so some of that slipped into what I wrote. Not much of it, just an awareness of um, this always being part of Hebe's life. But I didn't want her to go on about it. And in some ways, I think what was interesting about mine is that she's taken them back to this university campus. And it's somewhere that she's very at home. You know, it's, it's a, um, a campus where the Doctor and Mel are the ones who are less equipped to deal with a new environment. So my story kind of turns that on its head in a way. My name is Paul Hertzberg, and I'm playing Mr. Betterment, who is uh, the head of a section of a university in which rather peculiar things occur. It's been great. It's my third villain for Big Finish, and I'm having an absolute ball doing them, so, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt your meeting. Calm now, Elise. You are welcome here. We three are all of one mind, are we not? I know that you and my husband have more important matters to discuss than my soiree. We certainly do. But you must join us, Elise. You might feel insignificant, but you are so, so important. I think there are a lot of people who are very frightened and very nervous looking for answers, especially on the internet. And there are a lot of people buying into new ideologies and conspiracy theories, very few of which make any sense whatsoever. But there is definitely a market for the Mr. Betterments out there who who, who offer the world and, and really are in it for nefarious reasons. Imagine me telling everyone what to do. You're teaching people how to write crazy stuff like you write. That's brilliant. Just type purity into the search at the top uh, when you go to bigfinish.com to find these latest great sexy adventures don't forget we'll be drama teasing you with the first 15 minutes of ufo destruct positive very soon now but first it's the randomoid selectatron offering you a 25 percent discount on a randomly selected big finish release <laughs> well you're gonna like this one oh yeah well, it's a good one Doctor Who, Order of the Daleks. Order of the Daleks? indeed a sexy story, yeah. Is that like at the local Chinese takeaway? <laughs> yeah, they have a, they have a number 62, uh, and uh, they, they like those um, crispy... Uh, what are they called? Noodles? Crispy balls. <laughs> Seaweeds? Well, anyway, and this one is famous for its, um, you know, uh, stained glass Dalek. Yes. Gorgeous piece of work there. Let's um, uh, let's have a listen to the trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Doctor Who, Order of the Daleks. This is Planetary Assessor Malcolm Pendle of the Central Galactic Census Bureau. We've picked up a signal, you see. A signal? From here? What kind of signal? Doctor. Strangers approach the gate. I need all the novices to ready arms. Demons. Uh, we're not demons. The demons, women. What's the difference? My brothers, destroy these demons from another world. These were beings unlike anything we had ever encountered. Once this planet was a Garden of Eden, soon it'll be nothing more than a Dalek chemical factory. Soon, the Order of the Daleks will reign supreme! Big Finish. We love stories. Actually, I've got several things to say about this. I mean, we were so lucky to have John Savadant in this. Yeah, as they, as they, um, yes, absolutely. What a legend. What a living legend. He's, he's, 80, one of those he's 84 he's one, years old. He's still going. I was just checking. Yeah. Wow, he's one of those actors, isn't he? That that 
he, he brings me great joy whenever he just pops up oh, in something. Because he does. I was watching. What was I watching the other day? Um, Chance in a Million with um, Simon Callow. It's a Channel Four comedy from the eighties. Right. And um, and he's and John Savin actually has quite a few uh, appearances as the same character in that as just this chap who seems to always be at a wedding. Um, it's just, just it's, it's very funny. It just makes me laugh. But of course, known best as Fred Elliott in uh, Coronation Street for many, many yeah. years. And of course, I hardly ever saw him in that because I really didn't watch Coronation Street. I don't watch Coronation Street. Um, but he, you know, I I always think of him as the man uh, in that film Waterloo who who turns up with the <laughs> message for Christopher Plummer as um, Wellington to tell him that uh, Napoleon's on the move. Um, but. This coincides beautifully, actually, with um, something I've been watching that I mentioned to you, Benji. I don't know whether we ever covered it in the Benji and Nick show, but it was a kids' TV series from the early mid... I think it was like 1973, actually. It was called Tightrope. Did yeah, we, we ever, covered we it, cover? and, and I didn't like it. I couldn't get into it. But you loved it oh, and binge-watched it all in, in within a week, didn't you? You just loved it. Yeah, I, and I just watched it again this week. I must, I must give it another go. Maybe Have you got a DVD the right of it then? Uh, somewhere, yeah, I think so. I, I love it. I mean, A, because of the nostalgia, but B, because John Savadant is in it. And yes, the funny he thing is. is and You're it, right. And oh, well, I mean, he's, he's the star of it, mate. He's, uh, even though he's like Dr. it was Who, written as a vehicle. He is. That's precisely, you've stolen my thunder. That's what I was going to say. He is... He's Doctor Who in it, and he's brilliant. And it makes you, and you realise, you think, God, he would have been an amazing Doctor Who. He is just glorious. Get him in for Unbound. <laughs> I, I, I urge you, folks, go out and get the DVD of Tightrope. I mean, it's old and creaky. It was made in colour, as the ATV logo says at the beginning, but it only exists as a black and white print now. So the, you know, the quality's terrible and everything. I'm not selling it, am I? And the plot rambles on and on and on. It's by Victor Pemberton and. I would say the very outrageous thing to say because I loved Victor. Um, but it's typical of him. It's all great setup, but it kind of... Anyway, yes. He even wears uh, a hat like Tom Baker and a scarf, not a long scarf, but the image of a m- mysterious man in a hat with a bow tie and a scarf. I mean, it's just... There's a long coat as well, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, it is just and he's, and he's, so... And he's a dab hand with it. He's, he's got a bit of that... Dare I say, I think he has a cane or something. He does. He has and, a uh, sword stick, actually, a, a, an umbrella that's a sword stick. Yeah. You see, and it's got a bit of that um, that sort of, you know, the Sylvester McCoy thing, Doctor with the Umbrella vibe. He's doing a bit of that. You could absolutely imagine amazing. that this, this would he, have been a, a great yeah. Doctor. He's also, like the John Pertwee Doctor, he's great at karate and stuff. And, of course, he looks like quite a hefty fellow. But it's a, there's an amazingly well choreographed fight sequence, you know, done live in the studio where he just floors these guys. He's just brilliant. <laughs> and he eventually get, uh, defeats them by knocking one of them out, standing in front of him, and the other guy runs at him, and he just steps out of the way, and the other guy stands I up, and they this. both knock their heads together and crunch. That's it. Uh, it's just great. I was going to say about uh, Victor Pemberton's story, it sort of meanders around, and you get to the end, and you're not quite certain um, uh, what it was really about. But it does set itself up for more... Um, uh, adventures really it's such a shame Spencer Banks plays the lead and he was um, uh, the, the lead in Time Slip as well and and Victor was involved in that and so this was written as a vehicle for Spencer basically and, well uh, fair enough well, how nice is that as well to there's an alternative universe way. where it's still on you know what I mean and they're still it's had the new reboot you know yeah. It's just amazing. Um, I really recommend it. So it's lovely to... I remember thinking at the time, this is an amazing bit of casting by Jamie Anderson to get John Savadant in. And he was so full of anecdotes. I mean, you know, uh, I think uh, Colin Baker was a little bit miffed that he was sidelined by a tidal wave of anecdotes. (laughs) (laughs) It gets great reviews. uh, It's a lovely script by Mike Tucker. uh, And yeah, ticks all the boxes, said Blog to Who. Uh, but they love Miranda Raisin as Mrs. Clark, who's also in it. And Jamie Robertson's music is fantastic. And Jamie Anderson maintains a a cinematic feel, it says. Of course he does. Uh, Sci-Fi Bulletin said that. So brilliant. Now, you know the score, folks, as I flick through the various tabs on my computer to work out what the heck is going on. 
While I email Jackie Emery at Big Finish to make sure she knows which release to attach to the offer, Benji, please explain how uh, you get the 25% discount. You can guess what style, can't you? Fred Elliott. <laughs> Oh, well, as I, as I, it's very simple now. As Ashley, come over here, Ashley. <laughs> I can't uh, go to bigfinish.com. As I go to bigfinish.com and go straight over the podcasts. Uh, and I, I'll have one of my nice fillet steaks, medium <laughs> rare, in a Kia battle roll. Medium uh, rare. Uh, as I uh, go to read more under oh, the picture, <laughs> go straight down to. Uh, oh, I'm so I'm so getting getting into this that I've got lost myself. Um, hold on a minute. That's why, you see, I've run into a bit of. A, I'm, I'm just turning into. Um, I'm turning into what's his name now from um, Percy Sugden. I say in the, in the war, you know, I have fourteen two wars. Um, I realised because we didn't do a randomoid selectatron last week. I was doing. I was going along, you see, f- listeners, and doing the website to try and find the link. But actually, I clicked on last week's one where we don't. It was very boring. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just go. <laughs> no, but this is fascinating. We should discuss it in more detail. Do it. Do it again. Do it again. But no, go to go, go. Click our picture. As I go, click our picture and go on. And there's it's a click here and enter the code. Book up. As I click here and enter the code. Book up. When you enter that in there, uh, no no spaces, no complications. No, this is crazy. Um, enter buck up. No spaces, no complications, no punctuation. Enter buck up and you'll get your discount. So very simple for all those that got completely lost. Go to bigfinish.com. Go to podcast. Click read more. Click here. Enter that. Bam. Well, done. I think that's clear. As it, as it, as it, a rare, rare steak, <laughs> medium rare in a Kia batter. I love that as a Kia batter. He says in a Kia batter roll. <laughs> he was such an amazing actor. I was in the booth next to him doing my exterminating, and I, just, I remember thinking, it, "This is, this is a moment I will always remember." I was next to John Savadon. I think I even mentioned the film Waterloo to him, I, and I'm sure he had a few anecdotes. Oh, he's just a he's just a class act, and and one of those people. I mean, it, you know, it always takes me by surprise because I'm I'm very familiar with him as Fred Elliott. Yes, um, of course, he's incredibly well spoken. Yes, he's a wonderfully, which he is. He's as, got a beautiful voice, Mr. Forrester in Tightrope. Yes, he was also in Battle of Britain, very briefly yes. on the stairs, where he's just walking along and has a, a, the odd line, doesn't he? Well, he's one of those actors who was in everything because he just had an extremely castable face. You know what I mean? A, a brilliant Absolutely. actor, but you know what I mean? You just put him in a movie, and the moment he pulls an expression, you just know who the character is. It's just brilliant. I, oh, well, Nick, God, he would have been a great Doctor Who. I mean, I'm going to say it, Nick. Why don't, why don't we just do a, a one-off tightrope box set, just just for the sake of having him as, as our man? Let's not get carried away. Well, well, well. Uh, there we go. Anyway, well, uh, so um, Ran, thank it's your you, turn, thanking yes. you muchly. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you muchly. Uh, uh, next, we. I hate it when people say thanking you muchly. I don't know why I wrote that in there. I'm, I'm appalled to myself. Next week's podcast is entitled Ninth UFO. <laughs> As we go behind the scenes and drama tease you uh, with the latest for the Ninth Doctor into the stars. And we go behind the scenes with UFO Destruct Positive uh, which will be drama teased by in just a few seconds time. In the meantime, thanks for listening folks. Goodbye. And please don't forget, we do all this for the love of stories. We certainly do. And now on ITV, UFO Destruct Positive by Andrew Lane. SD-1 to Fort Yuma. SD-1 to Fort Yuma, do you read me? This is Fort Yuma Air Force Base, reading you loud and clear, SD-1. Do you read me? Gay, it's good to hear a friendly voice. (laughs) Yes, I've noticed there's a lot of new faces around air traffic control. And they don't smile much. How did you sneak back in? Well, one of the new faces decided you were getting a little snarky. and might respond better to someone you know. Apparently, I passed the security clearance. So... How's she handling? Pretty good. You wouldn't believe that anything so unaerodynamic looking could be so maneuverable. Have you seen the back end of this thing? It's almost completely flat. The word in the canteen is that there's some seriously impressive technology in there. 
The canteen sees all and the canteen knows all. Respect, Respect the canteen. The can <laughs> Are you ready to start the test? That's why I'm here, I guess. So what does the SD and SD1 stand for anyway? I'm guessing that the S stands for secret. <laughs> as for the D, that's probably secret as well. Right. <laughs> so what's first on the list, Gay? Simple velocity and acceleration tests. Let's see how quickly you can get her up to Mach 1 and then Mach 2. Stand by. Confirm airspace is clear. Confirmed. Airspace is clear for 500 clicks in all directions. Understood. You recording? Always. Okay, can you hear that? Is that your engines? No, no, it's outside the cockpit. Uh, check your instruments. Nothing on radar. Lights are all green. What the hell is it? Uh, I'm not seeing anything on my display either. Huh. Well, there's definitely something out there. I can see a flashing light reflected in the cockpit. Wait. It's behind me. I'm coming up fast. You need to climb. Get above. Gay. Gay. SD-1, get out of there now. Who the hell is this? What's your authority? Now, Straker, just get out! Damn it! Get a recovery team out there now! We've lost SD-1. Major Strecker, my name is Dr. Schotter. You're safe in the medical facility at Fort Yuma Air Force Base. What happened? You don't remember? I, I was flying that new aircraft, the SD-1. There was... Did I crash? There was a malfunction you had to eject. What about the aircraft? It came down in the desert, I understand, as did you, but more slowly and in much better condition. Do you remember anything else? There was... I think I saw a light, a flashing light. Uh, probably visual hallucination caused by the sudden drop in pressure as your canopy blew off. The mind plays funny tricks under such circumstances. And there was a sound as well, a kind of pulsing. Again, just a result of this sudden ejection. The explosive canopy release can cause temporary deafness or hearing loss. Your whole body was subjected to a great deal of unusual strain. Am I... I, I mean, did I lose anything? My, my legs, are they, are they still there? Calm down, Major Stryker. Lie flat, please. You are battered and bruised, and you have some light concussion, but you are entirely intact. Thank you. So, when can I leave? Let's not get ahead of ourselves. I want to keep you under observation for a while, and I want to get your electrolytes back up. My face feels hot. Did I get burned? Yes, I think you may have been close to your aircraft when it exploded. Aviation fuel burns at a very high temperature. You're lucky you went closer, but it's not bad and it will heal. My wife, Mary, does she know? She has been informed, but we are keeping you isolated for a while so you can rest. No, there was a light. And a sound. As I said, that is just your mind trying to make sense of the confusion. No. The emergence. No, I ejected afterwards. I told Lieutenant Ellis I saw something. The sequence of events can get very muddled in cases like this. It will all sort itself out in time if you don't stress. But about there's a recording. Ah. Uh, 
Well, I can't speak to that, although I'm sure that will all be classified. No, you don't understand. I think it was a Soviet spy plane. What do you mean? It's the only explanation that makes sense. Think about it. We're testing a top-secret experimental aircraft, and the Soviets want to know what we're up to. So they send a spy plane all the way to America and fly it over classified airspace <laughs> without being seen? That doesn't sound likely. The Soviets aren't that stupid in my experience. As you say, this ST-1 thing was an experimental plane. Engine failure is a much more likely explanation. Or maybe it's the Chinese. Their military technology is coming on in leaps and bounds. Please, Major Straker, get back into bed. I need to tell my superiors. Guard! Please, back into bed, sir. You've got a guard on my room. You are an important patient. Apparently the things you know about this experimental aircraft are quite sensitive. Your superiors don't want just anybody coming in and talking to you. Now... Are you going to get back into bed before that cannula pulls out, or do I have to sedate you? All right. <sighs> Happy. Please stay there and don't try to leave. Someone will be along to check your stats later. You can stay outside. Major Straker is to remain in this room. Only I and Nurse Fennel are allowed in. Sir? What's your opinion, Doctor? He's very firm-minded. He's tough, he's intelligent, and he is persistent. Well, he's a decorated Air Force officer. Can you influence him, given enough time? In my professional opinion, not without drugs and some fairly intrusive hypnotic conditioning, and that carries its own risks. What do you want me to do? I'd like to know just how far he's willing to go to back up these vague memories of his. Hmm, your blood pressure is still higher than we'd like, Major Straker. Hmm. You need to calm down. What I need to do is to get out of here. Not for a while yet. I'll bring you your dinner later. If you're a good boy, they'll be jello. I'll be counting the minutes. Oh, I was told to give you a message, Bob. Sure, go ahead. You need to head to the office. Apparently there's an issue with your security pass. Oh, okay. Don't worry about Major Straker. He'll be okay here for a few minutes. The hell I will. And you can shut up. Let's see what we can find. Operator, Washington 7474. Hello. Yes, Defense Intelligence Agency, please. Duty officer. My name is Major Edward Straker. I'm calling from Fort Yuma Air Force Base. I'm... I was the test pilot for a new experimental aircraft. Are you sure you should be telling me that on an open line? This is important, and it's the only way I could get through to you. Okay, Major Straker. What can the Defense Intelligence Agency do for you? My aircraft crashed. I think... I think there was a Soviet aircraft there, spying on the test flight. I think maybe they caused the crash. I just... I just thought you ought to know. Someone ought to know. And you've mentioned this to your commanding officer. I've been kept incommunicado. I can't talk to anyone. That's why I'm calling you. Look, Straker, let me reassure you. There's no way a Soviet aircraft could get right into the middle of the U.S. 
USA slap bang into the center of a classified and cleared flight test area without us knowing about it. But I saw something out there. And you know as well as anyone that the SD-1 was experimental, right out of the labs. What did you say? Those engines could well have failed by themselves. Probably did. I didn't mention the aircraft's codename. pass. Can you read it? No, I... Try hard. I have full base access, and that includes this room. If you don't take your hand off me, I'll snap your fingers. Okay. <laughs> now go and chat up a nurse or dunk a donut or something. Can you do that for me? Gay. <sighs> I have grapes, of course. They're in the bag. That's part of the course in England. Not sure about America. I have pizza as well, Gay. from the concession over by the gymnasium. That's in my handbag. Probably congealed by now, but what can you do? Gay, it's... Really good to see you. Oh. I wasn't sure they were letting anyone in. Oh, it wasn't easy. I thought they'd smell the pizza. I owe you. Look, I need to ask you something. How are you doing? You look okay. A bit pale. Concussion. Oh, and compression of the spine. You get that from an ejector seat. Next time I eject, it could break my back. I'll never fly an aircraft again. Those are the rules. I'm sure Mary will be happy. She'll only be happy when I resign or retire. You know that. Yeah. I know that. Gay. Ed, those burns on your face, do they hurt? Oh, it's uh, burning aviation fuel. They put a cream on it. Uh, they look more like radiation burns. No, no, I don't think so. There weren't any sources of radiation on the SD-1. Not as far as I know. Look, Gay, something happened out there. You heard me on the radio. Did I? Well, what do you mean? Ed, I'm under orders. Forget everything. That's what they told me. But you heard me. I saw something. Heard something. There's a recording. It's been confiscated. By who? She didn't give her name, but I saw it on her pass. Lieutenant Colonel Virginia Lake. What's her service? Background? Army, I think. A fellow Brit here on secondment. Hmm. Maybe Secret Service. That's what they say in the canteen anyway. The canteen sees all and the canteen knows all. Respect, Respect the, the canteen. canteen. <laughs> <laughs> Look, gay... There's something going on here. I, I, I don't know what it is, but... You know, I thought you were dead. For a moment, so did I. What did you see? I saw the flash of light as the SD-1 crashed. At least I thought I did. Far off in the distance. And I wasn't sure if you'd managed to eject or not. Colonel Lake had closed all communications down. It was just her on a headset. They cleared us all out. I didn't know for three hours whether you'd got out or if you had, whether they'd found you or not. I mean, there's a lot of desert out there. All this is being recorded? Naturally. What do you think now you've heard him? Well, he knows something happened, but he doesn't know what. And that gives us some leverage. A crack we can exploit. Drugs or hypnosis or both. We can make him doubt everything. If that is what you want. I'll let you know. Let's keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Ed! Mary! Thank heavens you're all right! Mary! Are you all right? They let you in. Well, they couldn't stop me. Johnny, I'm in here. This guard is looking at me strangely. Just ignore him and get in here. I saw Dr. Schroeder. Is that his name? He said you'll make a complete recovery. Mary, this is Gay Ellis. Pleased to meet you. You're British. On exchange of convent from the RAF. 
She's a lieutenant in air traffic control. Hi. Uh, haven't we met before? Um, maybe at a function or... Johnny, get in here! He's standing in my way! Look, I'll, um, get out of your hair. Give you some family time. Thank you. Johnny! Major Straker, I'll pop in again when I can. Lieutenant, oh, thanks for the grapes. My God, look at the state of you. <gasps> There's blood on your arm. Oh, yes, the, the needle got pulled out by accident. And your bedpan is full? Is that a bathroom over there? Uh, no, let the nurse It'll do that. It'll just take a minute. Uh, Mary. Jeez, Dad, you look terrible. Thanks a bunch. Look, Johnny, before your mom comes back in, I need to, you to do something for me. Sure. As long as it doesn't involve bed paths. I, I, I need you to find out some information about a Lieutenant Colonel Virginia Lake. She's an officer in the British Army. Can you do that? I'm not sure. I mean, where would I look? You're friends with Danny Scipio, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, so His father's personnel officer on the base. He'll have a copy of the British Army list, probably in his office at home. Try and sneak in. Get a look at it for me. Dad, you get angry if I go into your office without permission, and now you want me to sneak into someone else's office? Johnny, can I count on you to do this for me? I guess. But don't you have people that can check the army list for you? As it turns out, probably not. You just don't give up, do you? Normally, I like that in a man.